Well, hey, everybody, welcome. Great to have all of you here. And man, we are just going to learn about world missions redefined. My name is Jeremiah Stingle. My wife and I are the lead pastors of Living Water Church in Chicago, Illinois. And it is my joy to welcome you to this app session and to introduce our speakers today. We have from Lima, Peru, we have Robert Berenger, and he and his wife lead Camino Del Vida, which is Way of Life Church. Church. And uh, also, he's been there for 35 years working in Lima, Peru. I just think that's amazing. And then also right over here is uh, Robert uh, Rod Plummer. And Rod is uh, the lead pastor of Lifehouse Church in Tokyo. He and his wife have been there for about 10 years. And I want to get out of their way so that they can just come in and just teach us some stuff. So I'm really excited about hearing from them. Hey, lean in with me and let's dive right in. Hello everyone, how are you? Great, I'm actually from Australia, did you notice that? And, uh, and uh, I heard we, we plant churches because of our accent, but anyway, um, good, good world mission strategy. Um, so we are from Australia, but we've been in Japan for 15 years. We went there with a very small team 15 years ago, just young, 10 young Australians giving a gap year. And we created a new uh, model that was gonna work in an unreached nation. So Japan is an unreached nation. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but just let's introduce, um, I'm sure you all know some key scriptures, but just let's, let's just look at a couple of key scriptures. We, we haven't got the scriptures, okay, you know the scriptures. Um, <laughs> go into all the world and, and preach the gospel, we haven't got it there. Um, starting in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, then to the ends of the world. The one I was going to show you there is where the very well-known scripture where Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest field. So just as an introduction, that scripture, we believe the world is in harvest. And there's various degrees of harvest. And um, there are some countries absolutely in harvest. And I, I know I would class Robert's dear, dear Peru in that category. We're going to hear about that in a moment. We've come to a nation that's been called hard and unreached, and we've found the new generation to be open, and uh, we've just got to go and tell them about Jesus Christ. So we've hit certain points in the world where countries that were harder are becoming more open, and countries that were open are now becoming in harvest. So um, the word harvest in, in the, um, the New Testament um, comes from the, the Greek word uh, summer, which comes from the Greek word heat. And what I believe is that where God puts his heat, we need to get some workers there. Where we see heat starting, summer's coming, and then harvest is coming. So in our part of the world, we can't say we're in harvest, but we can say we're seeing the heat. We're seeing God do new things, but as usual, it's always going to be with a new generation. So we've come into a country where many, many people have said, the graveyard of missions, we hear this a lot in various of our countries. Um, and we live in this, the part of the world, Asia, the, the 1040 window, some of you might have heard, heard that expression, um, where uh, just 10 countries in our part of the world is half the world's population. Just 10. Those 10 being 10 of the most unreached nations in the world. In fact, in those nations is half of the world that have never heard the gospel. So my map here is a pretty terrible map. I'm really sorry. It's just all I wanted to do was show countries that are We've lost it again. Okay, so countries that are in harvest and countries that we need to lay a foundation. The countries in harvest there, I put South America and uh, your country here in North America, 
I hear American pastors talk about how tough it is here. And I don't know your context, but you need to know it's a very different context from people who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. In fact, in Tokyo, it's not unusual to talk to Japanese who are very, te- very advanced. They've got everything uh, world level. And yet you talk about Jesus and they say, who's that? And uh, one person actually said, is he American? And uh, uh, so when you're talking with cultures, uh, most of China is in that category, most, definitely most of North India. We've got a new pastor in, in New Delhi, India here with us, Pastor Marlow, who started Ark Church in uh, Delhi. And in North India, is 800 million people. That's just a few there. And um, once again, never heard the name Jesus. Pakistan, Bangladesh, Vietnam, many countries never heard the name Jesus. This is a shock. Because we hear so many stories of harvest, which is true, but we need to understand that the world is a big place and we need to have strategies for all parts of the world. Would you agree with that? Strategies for all the world. So what we're going to do today is talk about world missions redefined. I'm just going to share for a few minutes. I'm going to pass over to Pastor Robert to to talk about church, church to church missions, which we read about right through the New Testament, the concept of, of Antioch Church is definitely church to church. We feel that is really a key to world evangelization. Um, I'm going to ask one of my pastors in Tokyo to share, uh, one of the, a millennial pastor. Most of my pastors are in the 20s and reaching 20s. And um, he's going to talk about the lifestyle of millennials on mission because it's changing. It's changing. The model is changing. What we're going to present to you is that if millennials hear this message today, they're going to say, really? Could we be part of that? Really? Could we do that? And many missions move, movements do not have many people in the 20s uh, wanting to do mission in Australia and I think the same in America. We believe new world missions redefined is actually going to kick it up. There's going to be a whole new generation will say, wow, I didn't realize God had that plan for our generation. We're very full of hope. We're very, very excited about this moment. So let me just, a few words. When? When is this world mission redefined? The answer is right now. We are living in the world that's changing right now. The, the, the where, let me say it's cities, that over half the world are now living in cities. In some cities in China, we've got a great uh, missionary pastor here from China as well, and doing a great job in Kunming. And um, the, the, Shanghai has currently about 30 million in 20 years, it's going to have 100 million. We've got to understand what is happening around the world. New Delhi is, um, was probably at about 10 million. Now it's got 25 million. So the world is changing as we're sitting in this room. The, the migration is happening to the cities. And most of those going to the cities are 20s, late teens, 20s. They're on a migration. They're moving. They're going away from families. They're going towards schools and universities and jobs. So... As we look at the New Testament, Paul planted the church in Corinth and in Ephesus, and uh, they were world cities. Barnabas probably planted the church in Alexandria and in Rome. They were world cities, and the, the church was already in Antioch. So those two apostles planted churches in four of the five world cities of their day. Quite amazing, eh? And from there, the gospel went to smaller cities and then to towns and into villages. We believe the where is cities. We believe the who are university students, high school students, young workers, people who have been transferred out of country to cities, people who have been uprooted, where change is happening radically. That's who we're reaching in Japan. So when we went to Japan, we 
the Holy Spirit called my wife and I. We, we went there because of a vision, an actual uh, open-eyed vision of a big wave. And my wife had a vision of the wave. And in, the, in her vision, she knew it was God. And she said, God, what's that? And she felt God say, it's me. It's big. It's coming soon. Don't be afraid. Sounds like God, right? And uh, in her vision, the wave hit her and she was filled with the presence of God. Um, she said, I had this vision of a tsunami. We were in Australia, happily pastoring, minding our own business, and um, loved Asia, loved the world, but we were not expecting what was to come. And uh, because of that vision where she used the word tsunami, it set us on a uh, discovery of Japan, because tsunami is a Japanese word. And her vision, by the way, is not the natural tsunami. We had a natural tsunami in 2011 where 10, 20,000 people died. It's not that tsunami. We saw God's tsunami wave. It's a wave coming over Japan. So when we went to Japan, which everybody said was so hard, we didn't hear that message. We, we will not hear that message. We only heard the message, go and bear fruit, much fruit. And we went there with a, an absolute assurance that this new generation was going to be different. It was hard. It was incredibly hard. And our young team did great in that first year. And we've just built, we now have 18 campuses in Japan and a couple of other countries. Um, we've seen thousands of young Japanese give their lives to Christ and baptized. We've seen this young generation now rise up to be absolutely incredible pastors and leaders and workers. Um, so we've gone to an unreached people group. It's still unreached. Um, so in Japan, there's 126 million. So think a little bit less than half the United States with 0.2% Christians. Most of those 0.2% Christians are very elderly, as in 70, 80, 90 years old. 10 to 20 years from now, those churches will be no more because of natural attrition. We have to go in and reach a new generation. That is our role. That's what the Holy Spirit said to us is going to happen. In our churches and other parts in Hong Kong and Taiwan and Shanghai and Bali, we're seeing God move. We have a church in Bali where people sitting in there are coming out of Islam and Hinduism, sitting there with their traditional attire. We've got people looking very, very interesting in our church services, loving Jesus. Um, so we're in a new world. We're in a very, very different world. Our church our friend in India uh, is seeing young doctors saved, uh, young professionals saved, people from sitting in his church that look very, very different than Christian. And um, we love that. Wouldn't you love to be in a church like that? I know you are here, but you know what I'm saying, overseas, seeing something new happen. The who is, I believe, millennials. And we hear so much about millennials, people putting them down, and there's a lot of funny jokes and a lot of funny skits. I, li I like it too. And, uh, but our church is full of millennials, our leadership are millennials, and I think all we need to do is say to the millennials, we we we're hearing your world. Your world is different. You're going to hear that in a minute. And we've, we've got missions for you. We've got missions for you. And um, now I'm talking today about church planting, okay, in missions. I'm not talking about compassion work. That's a little bit different. This is church planting. Is that okay? About reaching new people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The who is millennials. I believe, I honestly believe, this generation of millennials could be the greatest missions movement in the history of the world. I, we've got to change our thinking. They are, they, what you're going to hear today is really, really exciting. So in Japan... We love it. My kids grew up there. They, they love Japan. Isn't that a good story? 
they're, as a young adults, they've decided to stay in Japan and be with us for whatever. And um, we are loving what God is doing. Fantastic. We've got Robert Barriger with us, one of my heroes of the faith. And uh, the first pillar of what we're going to say about world missions redefined is church to church missions. The whole concept of returning to the Bible. I'm not going to take his his thunder, but just to say um, we love what Robert's doing. And I and Robert has been all around the world so many times trying to re-engage church to church, getting people, which is, is a big part of our missions future. I'm going to hand it over to Robert. Let's give him a big hand. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Um, I want to redefine missions for a few minutes. And in the redefinition of missions, there's going to be just some different ways of thinking. Uh, and I want to do this a little bit different. We, first of all, I want to make a mention, something that Rod is doing and we are doing. We have a little handbook where we're encouraging uh, young people to do an internship in missions. You can do it with Rod in Japan. We have a handbook. You can do it with us in Peru. At the end, our team is here. Uh, we've got uh, Danielle, Danny, uh, Zelmar, who's from our church and part of Highlands College, and then in the back, Danny's wife. Uh, and you can talk to them if you're interested or take it back to your church if you're interested in doing an internship or talk to Rod's team if you're interested in sending somebody to Japan. Uh, to do an intern program there in Japan. It's two very different experiences, but both very, very important. Because missions has changed. And in the changing of missions, the problem is the church hasn't changed. Now, I'm going to use this term, church-to-church -church missions, and I, we can't all see the TV screen, unfortunately. But this is just a picture of our church on a Sunday night. We have uh, 23 services over six campuses now across Lima and are mentoring literally uh, several thousand churches throughout South America and Spain. Uh, and we're mostly going with these people, teaching them don't be afraid to change. So I want to uh, just kind of mention that. You see... In the changing things, terms of missions, one of the terms I like to stop using is the term foreign missions. I, uh, we stopped using that term foreign missions because the word foreign defined by the dictionary means an object that doesn't belong. <laughs> wow. Okay, and there's no way that we don't belong. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and he has sent us into the world. And a lot of what we heard earlier today with the racial tensions that are going on in the United States also happens in missions because we tend to want sterile groups. Well, you're a foreign mission. Uh, you're an Australian. What are you doing in Japan? You're an American. What are you doing in South America? Uh, or you're a you know, what, whatever nation you are, uh, Lebanese, uh, we're still working in Lebanon, I think, um, but with an American husband, I mean, come on. Uh, so the thing is, there's no such thing as a foreign missionary. Yeah. 
we're all just Christians. And the Christian culture trumps all other cultures. Okay, the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, it's all nations worshiping together as one under the throne of God. So that's our goal. That's where it's going to end up. And that's where we're heading to. Uh, we do have an intern program, and I'm going to do something. I told her I was going to do it. So Hannah, come up here. And uh, she was an intern with us last year. And uh, it's pretty easy because she came down and did the intern program. So, And she's trying to get back on the mission field. But briefly, what is Hill 304 again? Okay. Hill 304 is a term used to describe um, a war strategy that was an epic fail um, between Germany and France. Germany and France. Um, and what happened was these two, these two um, countries were battling each other, and there was this huge hill. And one would take the top, and then the other one would be climbing the hill and trying to take the top again, because the people at the top of the hill had the advantage. But what happened was everyone at the top of the hill was ready to barricade everyone that was coming up the hill. And so there was just these bodies after bodies going up the hill, but they were like knee-deep in bodies trying to climb this hill. Um, and so the lesson that we learned through Pastor Robert's teachings through this is that the same strategy over time may not work. Like They were using the same strategy day after day, minute after minute, and it didn't work. They needed a new strategy. Good job. The basic lesson of Hill 304 in Verdun, France, over a million men died on that hill. Wow. One million men. It was a battle that lasted two years. And at the end, they ended up saying history defines that battle as irrelevant. And the lesson that we learn on Hill 304 is this. How often do we keep sending men up against the same hill and not learn a lesson? How often do we keep going after the same deal, the same way, the same tactic and not learn a lesson? The first time Rod invited me to go to your church in Japan and I was absolutely stunned because in Tokyo, I had heard for years, in fact, my pastor wanted to send me to Japan. I wanted to go to South America. And so, but I finally went to your church to visit you. And I remember walking in, seeing thousands of young Japanese, thousands of them. And the first thing I said is, I bet you made a lot of missionaries mad. <laughs> and your answer is? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Because he came in, and while they were doing things the same way, he came in and did something different. And the end result of doing something different is thousands of Japanese, 18 churches that are being planted. Each one is the largest church in their city for the most part. And you're seeing, uh, see, people kept saying it can't be done. And as before I get into the church-to-church -church part of this, you see, we have the most amazing message in the world. We have a message that is so amazing. It's a message of salvation. It's a God that loves you so much. I mean, he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And, and the Bible, if you listen, you know, go into it's not only offering you life now, but we get eternal life with him. That is what I call an irresistible message. We have the greatest message right, in the world. It's yeah. irresistible. Yeah, the problem is oftentimes churches or mission strategies are resistible. Mm -hmm. So we have an irresistible God with an irresistible message and resistible strategies. Yeah. Wow. 
And, and the thing is, is don't be afraid to change right. uh, some of these strategies. I, I often use the story, if you accept the philosophy, you accept the consequence. And for years, people said England is postmodern, post-Christian. Well, Hillsong goes in there. Gary Clark, a friend of ours, uh, Gary and I were just in Africa last week. And and when we, you know, he goes in there and he's got 10,000 youth in his church in just a few years. They said Paris is secular, doesn't want the gospel. And yet Brendan White goes in there and 6,000 youth in just a couple years. Or they say Japan is a missionary burial ground. Rod goes in there and has thousands of young Japanese getting saved. And I come to realize people don't reject Jesus, they just reject our traditions. They just reject our traditions. So don't be afraid to change. So what is church to church missions? It's basically this. We've been saying this. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. If, if you believe that, I believe this with everything in me. The church yeah. is. Some people say, well, Jesus is the hope of the world. Yes, but we are his body. Yeah. We're his feet. We're his hands. We're his mouth. Yeah. We are his bride. And he has chosen to use the church as the disciple-making machine yeah. that, that uh, continues Christianity. So the church is the hope of the world. Sometimes people will say well, education's the hope of the world. Dale L. Shields and I were talking about this yesterday. Some very intelligent men worked alongside Adolf Hitler, like Hindler. Uh, some very intelligent men, very smart, very educated, and they killed millions of people. So education isn't the hope of the world. Uh, it's not politicians. We're seeing what's going on with that. Politics isn't the hope of the world. The church is yeah. the hope of the world because we carry a life-giving message. Wow. Politicians and educators can't change the heart of a man. Only Jesus right. can. Right. Okay? So if you believe the church is the hope of the world, well, then what we're doing is important because the hope of the world depends on it. Everything we do. So when we talk about church-to-church -church missions, what we're talking about is planting, because all we hear about an ark is life-giving church. Well, let me say this. We need life-giving churches, not only in America. We need them in Lebanon. We need them in India. We need life-giving churches around the world. And we need to go in. That's why I tell people, we no longer, I, I no longer need Christian anthropologists, missions majors. I need your kids pastors and your IT come people on. to yeah. come over and teach us. You see, it's, the world has changed. Um, I often use this example that, about the world that has changed, but all over the world today, grandpa and grandma are different. Wherever you go in the world today, grandpa and grandma are different. They're different in Australia than they are in Japan. They're different in Peru than they are in the United States. Grandpa and grandma are even different in Argentina than Peru. They're different in Peru than Mexico. Grandpa and grandma all over the world are different. But today, all over the world, the kids are the same. Okay, this has taken down all social boundaries and social barriers. So wherever you go in the world today, you will see 
one language, one the people all over the world are speaking the same thing. They're listening to the same music, listening to the same YouTube channels. So this has made everything the same. So what we need today is what works here in Birmingham, works in Peru, works in Japan, where it will work in Lebanon. Uh, people will come to you all the time and say, oh, well, we're different here. It won't work here. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. So Church to Church Missions is basically re-engaging the local church in missions. But it's re-engaging to it's our church now connecting to your church. And if, you know, we're going to build this relationship, one church to another church around the other side of the world. And in that relationship, our kids pastors and youth pastors and, and IT guys can go back and right. forth and we can get this friendship thing going. So every church in the world can do missions. For, for many of you that are in the States... When is the last time you've heard a missionary come through your church and tell a story? It's been a while. It's been a while. So how can we get this message back out? Um, you know, just go over some of the quick notes I have and get, give this back over to, to Rod. But, you know, when God sent his son to the world, Jesus, when he came, he didn't come to start a government. He could have. He didn't come to start a business that was going to employ everybody in the world. He didn't start an NGO. He started a church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He started a church, a disciple-making machine. Leslie Newbegin, a, a Scottish theologian, said this. He said, a church that is not involved in missions is as much an abomination as a mission that's not involved in church. Wow. He, he went on to say this. He says, if a church ceases to be missionary, it contradicts its own mission. Wayne Coggs, the U.S. Center of World Missions, he said this, he said, if, and he said this in the 80s as a prophecy because everybody went into this idea of let's let the nationals do it. Let's just let the nationals be the ones that are going to run the mission field. Wayne Coggs had the, the foresight, the wisdom to say, if our churches give only their money and not their sons and daughters, our missionary vision will be dead in one generation or less. You cannot substitute money for flesh and blood wow. okay in other words I believe with Rod the greatest missionary force in the history of the church is about to that's it come together right yeah. now you see what happened was this and I got to end this real quick a number of years ago Dale O'Shields uh, my home church and a close friend of mine and I got to go to Yale University and dig through some notes in the archives. Yale University for 300 years sent missionaries around the world. Today, they say we no longer believe in that. And we studied a man that I'd never heard of before, uh, a guy named uh, John R. Mott. Uh, started something called the Student Youth Mission. And we were digging through his personal notes and, and actually held letters that were written by J. Hudson Taylor in our hand. And, and as we were digging through some of these notes, um, several things just kept hitting me. First of all, this guy, John Armott, sent 20,000 missionaries around the world with one-way tickets. 
He was the one, that was the movement that said, if you go to the mission field, you can pack your stuff in a coffin, not a suitcase, because you'll use the coffin. You won't use the suitcase. 20,000. And I began to study this amazing missionary movement that happened at the turn of the century. And then I started realizing something happened because out of that, the People's Church came, J. Oswald Smith, and J. Oswald Smith had that thing. How can everybody hear twice if some people haven't heard once until every nation? And they started out of the People's Church in, in Canada, sending missionaries around the world, just missionaries and, and sponsoring missionaries and raising faith pledges. And it was an amazing missionary movement. Well, small churches wanted to get together and wanted to form, uh, they wanted to send missionaries, but they were too small to, to have a missionary. So they pulled together and they formed mission sending agencies. And the mission sending agency evolved over a period of time into worthy experts. So in other words, you pay, you pray, you stay away, just let us do it. And they went into the mission field and formed a mission compound. And the mission compound came with the idea, I'm the missionary, you're the national, I'm the American, you're the Indian, I live here, you live there, I teach, you listen, which is offensive. So after a period of time, the, the mission sending agency had the mission compound, and the national said, we want the message, we no longer want the missionary. We applauded it, said, yay, the nationals will do it, it's cheaper. Missions is not cheap. It'll cost you everything. Yeah. All right? So let the nationals do it. Well, what happened is missions became parachurch. And what we're trying to do is, no, let's get it back to the local church. Let's get missions back to the local church where one church can say, we're going to go church to church and we're going to plant a church or adopt a church in an area and adopting that church, we're going to build a deep relationship and we're going to build, you can do this with Japan, you can do it with us in, in almost any country in South America if you'd like, but it's church to church relationships where churches as a local church are getting involved in building a life-giving church, church to church missions. Hey, that's fantastic. Let's give Robert a hand. Uh, so, uh, wow. So we got it right. We got, we got the plan. God's moving. It's a new day. We need a new mission force. And with that new mission force, we do need new strategy. Um, Robert was really eloquent saying, if we do the same thing over and over and over again, but expect a different result, that's called insanity. And unfortunately, a lot of things that become not effective in mission have been blamed on other things. For example, blamed on the nationals. In Japan, a lot of people blame the nationals. The nationals are hard-hearted. But we don't believe that's true. We, we yeah. believe the nationals are, are warm-hearted. Yeah. Um, and there's no resistance of the message. They just don't understand it for a while. They just don't, they've never heard it. They've never heard of a Jesus or a Bible or an Easter or a Christmas. There's just no knowledge. So when you're working with a people group that have no knowledge, and, and let's say they don't hear, how can you call them hard-hearted? That's just called unfair. That's just plain called wrong because... We've got to give people a chance to hear the gospel in a way they can understand to see a response. That's what we're doing. And of course, we haven't talked about the Holy Spirit, but right now the Holy Spirit is preparing millions of hearts because we believe that, right? We believe in the, the salvation of every nation before Jesus Christ comes, right? 
So we, we know the Holy Spirit's moving. Now we must connect with people with the right, the, we've got the right message, but we must transmit it with the right, um, the right everything, really, the right, the right mess, message or the right package. For example, in Japan, if I give you a, a, a gift to somebody, that gift, it doesn't matter what's inside, the package is very, very important. So if I give someone a very shabby looking gift, what's inside has no value straight away. For the Japanese, they need a beautiful, wrapped gift because that was a, 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 that's what's going to define what's inside. Even if it's a stone inside, they'll, they'll look at, oh, it must be a special stone. And so the package is important. And it's important in all our churches, right? Because when, when new people come, they've got all sorts of strange ideas and we must break down their natural humanity to get the message into their hearts. And that's why our churches look like your churches and Robert's church looks like your church and we do the same music and we have the same uh, presentation and the same uh, style of, of, of uh, presentation of the message because we've got to touch the humanity. And in Japan, people come and we, we love, we, we have non-Christians coming every week, every single week. Some on big days, we have hundreds of non-Christians coming on the same day. And that's the first time they'll ever heard the name Jesus in their life, consistently. So we're talking about tens and tens and tens of thousands. They may not come back, but there was a seed. But when they come, I love to meet them after the service and I say to them, did you enjoy church? Your first experience ever? Yes. How was it? They say, it was good. I say, did you, were the people friendly? They say, oh, the people were so friendly. Thank you. And I say, did you enjoy the music? And they usually say, ooh, surprising. And uh, like, that's good. That was good. All right. And I'm on a roll now. So I'm saying to them, did you enjoy my message and they say didn't understand your message true story happens again and again and again but they say but it was good didn't understand your message but it was good are you coming back yes i'll come back see with people people we don't if we expect people to get saved the first time we've got the wrong expectation i I took me six months to get saved when i was 19 i was very anti anti everything to do with church and then six months later uh, I was a fireman, and in, in a, one fire one night, I almost died in Sydney. And that, that night when I was untouched by a massive explosion, it was a, as a non-Christian, I was untouched, and so were my two fireman friends. I looked up at the night sky, and I said, who are you? And that's what sent me on a search for God, six months. So I understand journey. I understand the journey. And I guess that's why one of the, one of the reasons God's used us in a country like Japan, because they need journey. Unless there's a miracle, that's the shortcut. And, and we, we're believing for miracles every time, but what if they don't happen? We've still got to present the gospel. So with strategy, we look at words, we look at presentation, we look at what, we don't change the message, but we, we've got to talk about words. And, and I say to missionaries, I say, I believe missions are sort of like playing a video, an old video game, my, my generation video game. A platform game where you've got to go through the level, find the gems, beat the boss and go to the next level. And if you don't like that concept, you won't like modern missions. Because it's about going into and finding the cultural code. The cultural code, same message into the cultural code where God is able to hit the hot points of their life. And all of a sudden they go from, in a week, they go from there is no God to maybe there's a God. That's a big journey. And then from maybe there's a God to maybe I'm created. It's another big... So we're talking about journey, journeys that can happen, and it's all friendship. It really is. 
We use young Australians to start. And for many years, we had young Australians like Josh and, and Luke came over. They were from my church in Australia. They came as, as young adults to help in the mission. And um, our world is all about meet a lot of people. So in Japan, people say, how did you get successful, Rod? My answer is, we just meet a lot of people. A lot say no, but some say yes. But many, many people, when there's no response and no quick response, they say the people are hard. We say we're going to find the cultural code. We're excited by the process and the journey and the young people are going to bring back the answers every day and every week, what people are thinking, what people are saying, where their heart's at, what touched their heart, what touched the Japanese heart, what was the, what was the, and we're getting patterns and we're getting understanding of the culture. We love this journey, right? Do you sense that? Do you think we love the journey? We love the journey. And so missionaries that don't like that are going to find it very hard to find cultural code. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Josh, who's been with us for 10 years, 10 years, 10 years uh, came over as a young Australian, um, met a beautiful Japanese girl, a new convert, and uh, they now have three children, one on the way, and they have the church in the city of Yokohama, which is part of Tokyo. He'd probably say, it. no, it's not, but anyway, it's, uh, it's part of Tokyo as part of our 38 million people in our big city. And um, what I've asked Josh to do is talk about the lifestyle of a young missionary. Is that okay? And in that, we're going to talk about a, a financial issue and a lifestyle issue. Here we go. This is Josh O'Sullivan. Thank you, Pastor Rob. Why don't you give these two, Pastor Rob and Pastor, Pastor, Rob, and Pastor Rob, a big hand. And uh, it's uh, pretty cool. I realized at the start we didn't get to show a bit of a... Sure. Uh, a bit of an introduction of our church in Japan. So we do have a video here. Um, just of our church in, in Tokyo, and we started uh, 16 years ago, 15 years ago, and uh, anyway, I'll just show the video. So this is one of the videos we just show people on the streets to kind of show them what church is like in Tokyo. Anyone want to go to church today? <laughs> who thinks who think that looks pretty cool? And uh, <laughs> I want to go actually. And uh, and so that's what we're talking about today. And my, uh, Pastor Rod just asked me just to share quickly on two different things. And one is a uh, uh, a new model. What what's the type of person that 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 uh, does well um, planning a church overseas? And the other one is the new lifestyle. What does that look like um, for someone who's who's part of a church plant overseas? Um, and so yeah, the first thing I just want to sh- uh, share a scripture and um, just in Psalm chapter two verse eight. Uh, many people, of course, you would know this scripture if you're here today. I think, and it says, "Ask me, I'll make you, I'll make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth um, your possession." And um, as a young person, and and getting to know God, and, and coming to church, this was one of the scriptures that I read, and it kind of jumped off the page at me. And I think I've heard your story, and Luke's story, and 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 I think there's many young people, many people across the world where they read something like this, and they say, "Really, God, I could." go and do something. Um, has anyone ever thought that reading this scripture is like, really God, I could actually make a difference? And as a young person in Australia, 
um, I, this was one of the things that I, I thought, I wanted to do something great for God. Um, I'll follow you, God, but I don't want to live a boring life. Um, and so that kind of kept me from actually jumping all in in church um, because I thought, what does that look like? You know, I grew up in a, sm- a small town, Toowoomba, um, Australia, and I thought, I don't want to stay here the rest of my life. Um, what does that look like? And I felt God, when I made that decision to follow Him 100%, I felt God say, if you will follow me, your life will be the greatest adventure you'll ever live. And um, there's a, f- a few people, Luke was part of that journey, and I jumped in on that. Um, and it was just a few years after that, that the opportunity came to move to Japan um, and part of that. So I just want to encourage anyone here who's ever had that thinking that that if you do follow God, you, the, the, the life that He's got for you, if you will follow Him and take the risk, is, is way more exciting than you'll ever have. Um, so just step out of that. So that was me as a young person and um, had a few issues, had a few things to work through um, after that. Um, but the, t- the type of person that does well. So the first thing, I'm just going to go just a few, uh, through a few things. The first thing is we found in Japan, I, I believe this applies across the world, but um, it's the new generation that does well um, I'll just change that off there. But the, the new generation that does well. So we found in Japan and in Tokyo, across all of our cities, um, that to reach the next generation, the people reaching the next generation need to be the next generation. Um, and so if you want to reach young people, um, the best people to reach young people are young people. Um, and and so that's that's really our model. Um, some, we have teams that come over from some of our good friends, our ARC friends and interns, and, and the best people to meet the people that are open, the, the most open right now, are the people who are the same age. Um, and, and also the best people who, to start churches to reach young people are young people. Um, and so I'm in a city called Yokohama. It's a pretty small city, a little country town. There's about 8 million people there. <laughs> it's part of the greater Tokyo area, which has uh, almost 40 million. Um, Pastor Luke down the front here, he's pastoring in Osaka. It's a, it's a it's a small city, only 22 million people there. And uh, um, it, w- when we first came over, I first came over to be part of Luke's team in Osaka. And uh, I believe he w- you were, we were both 21 at that time. And Luke was the lead pastor and uh, I was on the team. And uh, we had some other teams and there was the other people on the team. There was, a, there was a, a, another young guy. He was uh, 18 and there was another guy that came over. He was 19. There was a really old lady on the team. I think she was 23. Um, and so that was the team. Um, and guess what? The age of the people that we met were all students and 20s. And, and that's where the church started there. Um, we have 18 locations. We have 12 in Japan and six overseas. Um, and we, we all started the church in our young, early 20s, pro- most of us. I started when I was 24 um, in Yokohama, 21. Uh, Richard moved to Hong Kong when you were 25. 25. Um, and it's it sometimes, I think that's, a, that's just having that mindset is also uh, something new. Most people are so surprised when we started the church. What, you how old when you started the church? Um, now I've been in Japan 10 years now and uh, our church has families and kids. I myself have three children and it, it's changing, but I, I think there's something about young people need to reach young people. And, and so that's the first thing I want to say um, there. The second thing I want to, to say, the new model, I, I believe that the new model, the young people now, whatever you want to call them, millennials or generation what, I, I think young people don't like to be labeled. I mean, <laughs> just young people. Um, I've never thought of myself as a missionary, actually just being around 
uh, at conference is actually the only time we really heard, hear the word missions or missionary. I've, n- I've never even, it actually was never even a thought in my mind that I was a missionary. I thought I was going to go live in another country and start a business and be part of a local church. And it just happened to be Japan. And I think young people now are thinking like this. We, it, uh, we could live anywhere we want in the world. Um, you know, I, I, could, I could live anywhere in the, in the world where I wanted. I could live in Birmingham, Alabama. I could live in, in the Gold Coast. I could live in Honolulu. And I'm choosing to live in Japan because I love it there. And obviously my wife's Japanese, so that's part of it. Um, but I, I think the, the whole concept of we're sending a missionary, for, for me as a young person, when I first came over, if I was going to go and be a missionary, that would sound like a struggle to me. That would sound like a tough thing. Um, and maybe there's, maybe there's a place for that, but I think young people now are not looking to sacrifice a whole life. I think young people now are looking to live an adventure for God and live a, a life with purpose that's exciting um, and not sacrifice. So I think that the, the concept, which and Pastor Robert shared that, so I won't talk about that, but just being part of a local church. And when we start churches, we would say we are church planners and we're just in a different city. We don't really consider that it's a... A different country and there's some different cultural things but we're doing the same model so it's it's less of this missionary mindset and, and more of a uh, I want to live an adventure for God um, the third thing and I like this one is it uh, takes some guts does anyone know what the word does everyone know what the word guts guts mean okay it's a it works um, and basically you need you need to have an adventurous spirit um, if you're going to be overseas this next generation you and too well overseas you need to have an adventurous kind of mindset um, and I think some people don't don't have that, and that's 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 great. Um, but but many people do have that kind of adventurous spirit. Um, I think growing up in Australia in a small town, we have that kind of ingrained in us that that we want to live an adventure, and so that's part of it. Um, the what type of person? A person that does well when they don't understand the local language is a person that's going to do well. Um, a person that's open to learning a language. Um, but a person who doesn't really mind if they don't understand everything. Um, in, our, in our context in, in Tokyo, in Japan, the traditional model was you go to the country and learn the language. And when you become fluent in the language, um, then you can you know, start a, a small group or start preaching in that language. Um, the thing about Japanese is it's very, very hard. And so some people move to Japan and they spend 20 years and they never become fluent. And then they're finished. Um, and so then they go to reach the people and they're, and they're no longer the same age as the people they want to reach because they spent 20 years trying to learn the language. It's, it's, uh, Japanese has 10,000 kanji uh, characters. Um, in the language and so you can imagine that it's um, so our model of doing church is is uh, we do everything bilingual so we will speak just in a meeting like this and we would say hello and there's a, a local person here would say konnichiwa at the at the same time almost um, and uh, as Pastor Rob would say that's our kind of art form um, and and people are amazed people will come into church and they won't know who's preaching the message they will they don't know who's the translator and who's the, who's the preacher so that's our model um, and so when people come in, and, and Pastor Lane will share afterwards, I'm sure, but we just send them out on the street and go to meet people day one. There's no, you know, don't need to learn any special words, and, and it helps. I mean, sometimes the teams come and say, can we learn some, you know, some Japanese? And we tell them words, um, but usually they're, you know, they're not good words. Well, they're good words, but they're just kind of funny words. Uh, <laughs> it's all right, the team doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, they wonder, they think they're really funny, but they don't really, you know, realize what they're saying to people. Um, and so that's the model. People who are just comfortable with that. Um, if, you, if you can speak English, can anyone here, does everyone here speak English? You know, many people speak American, but does anyone speak English? Uh, no. Um, um, If you can speak English, that's a huge asset in our part of the world. So did you know if you came to Japan, people will pay you just to speak English? And you guys have been talking all day and making friends. You would be making money in Japan if you did that all day. Um, And so that's, that's one thing people come and do is they just, you know, you can get a job teaching conversational English. Having a conversation now. Um, people would be paying to, to just to listen to this English and, and interact and speak. So people are kind of open to that um, without, you know, without that being a barrier. And actually, it's a big, it's a big out, uh, outreach into our church because so many people want to learn English. And the last thing about the type of um, person is a person, young person these days that, that has maybe a bit of, um, what do you say, like a bit of like a technological advantage or some kind of skill. Um, See, see in our context, a lot of the the outreach we do is is person to person. It's meeting people on the streets. It's doing music on the streets. But also a lot is is using different apps like Meetup. Has anyone heard of Meetup app? It's, I guess it's, it's here. Um, Facebook, different, um, just different social media kind of elements or social media apps, if you like, that people who actually use that, and, and maybe in our church context, sometimes we tell people, don't, you know, don't stop your social media and don't be you know, filming during the service or whatever that looks like. Actually, people who actually have some of these skills are a huge uh, asset to, to church planning in another country because they can use these things to reach people who are also using those, um, those apps. And in Japan, they have their own set of apps as well. They have their own uh, unique set. So people who can adapt to that, uh, people who can edit video or websites or um, so some of those skills that may be the not so traditional are actually very valuable um, across the world. So that's the type of person. Um, and then the the second part that I wanted to talk about is what does a lifestyle look like for a person overseas? If, if someone, you know, uh, a young person moved over and, and, and this is probably more specific to Japan, um, but also the type where Pastor Rod shared that where God's moving, we believe He's moving across major cities across the earth, big, big, um, big cities, and so all of this applies to those cities. So the first thing, the type of lifestyle, I imagine, I don't know, I, I don't know so much, but I imagine 20 years ago, if you were a missionary and you moved to another country, maybe your family didn't hear from you, but once a year, writing a letter or uh, something like that. Is that is that is that how it? Um, <laughs> uh, writing a letter or you, you know, you came back in a coffin, um, as we heard. Um, <laughs> now, if you, if you move overseas, your parents or your family is, is, is connected. They, they can see what you're doing live that day right now. Um, I know this because my mom comments on my, my Facebook account. That uh, <laughs> They're watching. And so young people and even older people that are sending young people or churches that are sending people, you can be in, in contact with, with people as much as you want. The world is so connected um, right now. So, of course, everyone um, knows that. So, yeah, you can call your mom anytime or FaceTime. Um, the second thing I wanted to, t- to, to mention is the new lifestyle. Um, of course, you can get a job and, and teach English. And, and uh, part of my story and, and my journey is when I moved to Osaka, um, 
I looked at getting uh, an English. Actually, I've never had a job um, in my life. I've only worked for one person. That's Pastor Rod. Um, and this is because when I, uh, I've always had businesses. I've always started something. Something you know, just that was in me from a young age. And so when I moved to Orsak, I did kind of look. I heard you know you need to get a job teaching English. So I have a look. And uh, actually, I think it was in the first few days, I saw an opportunity to start a business um, in Orsaka, and, and which was very successful at that, um, that time. Um, and it was just very simple. It was just looking and I realized I went to Japan. I was from Australia and I realized and I thought, wow, there's some things that are really, really cheap in Japan. Um, electronics, this type of thing. And I was thinking these things in Australia are like twice the price. You know, you can buy a computer and it was, you know, $2,000 in Australia, but in Japan it was only $1,000. And I thought, oh, I wonder if you could sell these things back to Australia. I mean, I'm in Japan. And uh, so I started a business, basically just e-commerce, just online, buying things in Japan and selling them back to Australia. And uh, that was what I, that was what, that was how I lived. That was a business that I started um, selling different things. And um, so that was what I started there in, in Osaka. And actually, in our team, the young people that come, most people will look when they move to a different country, they look at the opportunities with different eyes. And so I want to encourage anyone that's considering going overseas or maybe you're a missions kind of director or a pastor, encourage your young people. And sometimes the ideas that they have in their, in their city or in their country now, sometimes they seem crazy. Those ideas actually do, do sometimes have worth in another country. Um, and so we've seen that time and time again in our churches is that people come over and they may have been successful in their countries, but when they come and see, see ideas and new eyes, they can actually earn a lot of money um, or start a business. And so that's, a, that's another thing I believe that's this young generation now is everyone's got a side business, right? Does any, yeah, is, that, is that right? Does anyone here have a side business, a side hustle? I don't know what the words are. Um, this is you, <laughs> side hustle. Um, this generation, you can encourage people. If you've got that and you've got that gifting, you will do well in another country. I think in America, a lot of people that start businesses um, uh, immigrants, first, maybe first generation, a lot of people can't get a traditional job, so they start a business. Is that right? And when you go to another country, it's on the, you're on the, you know, the shoes on, yeah, you, you're the person who sees everything with a new eye, so you can start a business. Um, and so, um, so I'm on staff at our church also, but I also now, I run a, another company um, in my city that's, that's, that's very successful. It's, it's running, you know, while I'm here, it's, it's more of a on the passive side, um, but it, it's it's a great blessing, um, and it, you know we have four kids, so <laughs> it's it's good to have money coming in, um, and uh, but it is a great blessing. So as a missionary, you don't as a as a person who's overseas or whatever that looks like, you don't have to be a struggling person. Um, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Uh, for my story, I've been in Japan 10 years. I've never received any money from any support or anything. I didn't even know that was an option. If I knew that was an option, I probably would have asked. Um, I didn't know. I just thought, uh, <laughs> no one told me. Uh, <laughs> people give you money. Uh, and I didn't know. So I've just started businesses, started things. And I think for, the, for some people who have that as a gift or maybe that entrepreneurial spirit, um, you will do well. And um, so I think that's part of it. Um, I mean, obviously, personally, God, uh, many of our pastors now have, have you know, they're on, on staff at church or they're, when we start a church in Japan, it's, it doesn't start um, with a large amount of people. The, I think the, the uh, average size on a Sunday church in Japan is 15 
people. And so if we start with 100 people on day one, that's like a mega church, like a mega, mega church in Japan, 100 people. But that's not enough to support a full-time pastor and a venue. Um, and so many, many of our pastors are bivocational, um, which means they're starting different endeavors. But God's, I, I think He's really blessed that. And you can see that as in, you know, we've bought an apartment in, in Yokohama. It's some of the most expensive real estate um, in the world. And now many of our pastors are, are buying property and land and putting down permanent roots. So uh, that's a different, uh, that's another thing. Um, and the, probably the, the third thing I want to say with, uh, the last thing I want to say today is the living standard, and I already kind of alluded to that, but the living standard is not, I'm, I'm here on the mission field and it's really hard and I'm living really poor and I, 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 I can't afford to eat. It, the living standard is what you would in a major city in the world, you would live. Uh, you would live like everyone else in a major city in the world, which is at the same standard. Um, the mindset of a, a kind of poverty mentality, where I have to live really, really poor. Um, it's very hard to reach wealthy people if if you if you live really, really uh, poor. Um, it's very hard to to reach that kind of target audience that that's kind of young people, successful people. If you're not successful, um, and so we've seen that that's also we've got a you you can live well you can eat well um you don't need to necessarily eat like the locals um eat if you don't want does, does anyone here like sushi uh you can have you can have that i mean some people don't like you don't need to eat sushi if you come to japan um but yeah. <laughs> um you can live well and so that's just uh, that's the last thing i wanted to say there is that you can you can have a great lifestyle you can do well and i think it's perfect i think god has uh positioned this next generation with the skills and the unique mindset and the side hustle it's it's set up god is setting up this next generation to do so well across the earth and planting churches so thank you pastor Rod. i'll hand it back great, mate. fantastic so with um with, with, with Japan, Pastor Chris is really excited about um, what we're doing with the financial situation. So the young people going to Japan from Birmingham or wherever um, have some financial backing. When they get to Japan, they'll get a job teaching English. And over the months, they'll have a choice whether they can repay back that money to family and friends or not. So that's a new economic model, which can be used in Japan and China and many, many other parts of the world where you can't get visas now. So you can get visas in, in Japan, but you can't get visas in India and many other countries. So we must have new economic models, new visa models, new structures. So again, instead of seeing that all as negative, I think this generation is uniquely gifted to be able to start, you know, GoFundMe and friends fund you and help. And so when, when millennials or, or young people start hearing this, that's when I think heads are going to start going up and go, so that's what missions is like. Why didn't you tell me that before? Which is what Josh is saying. He doesn't know all the terminology, but he is one. And um, so that's what we're doing with finances. Just lastly, and I'm going to ask Pastor Lane to come to share in a minute because they've just brought a team, a fantastic team from Highlands to Japan. So the question is, what about ARC churches? And I want to say the answer is going to be basically church-to-church -church missions. There's, there's plenty of relationships for churches to have, uh, not just with us. We've got friends here from China and India and and many countries of the world, and the excitement of getting a local church in one of the ARC churches directly linked with a, a successful church overseas that needs resource of friendship, finance, prayer, and young people. We need that, we need that resource. That's the basis of our success in Japan, has been that resource. It, so ARC churches, is there a church you can link with? And secondly, send us your young people. 
Short term missions, seven to ten people for seven to ten days, and and their lives will be changed. Pastor Lane, come and share about your team you've just had in Japan. Pastor Lane. Awesome. Uh, thank these guys. Uh, thrilled to have you guys with us. And so from uh, from the Highlands standpoint, we, we, we've got a double strategy. So we have a local church, right? But we also have Highlands College. And so uh, we, are, we are trying to desperately not just take short-term trips, but get the right people on those trips that have the most potential of staying permanently, like Danielle from our church, and great job, I'm so proud of you. And so, that, like, like that's what we want, and so it's, it's not, that trip that I took three weeks ago cost over $60,000. So in some ways, we could have planted other churches. That, that's a, a waste of money if we don't take the right people. So hopefully that translates into uh, permanent people like Josh that will be in Japan or wherever we go. Obviously, there's more churches represented here than either of these guys could take at one time. So use your relationships internationally or find them, make them, pour into them, invest in them, and, and work that way. But at Highlands, it's not just uh, uh, about these two guys, okay? So we, we, we're doing this in Europe. Uh, we're, we're working through this in other parts of the world to make sure that we are, we are globally minded and especially what's dear to Pastor Chris's heart, which is what triggered the, the Japan side of this, is the 1040 window, remembering that most of the lost people are in that part of, part of the world. And so we, we have a major focus on church to church, but we also uh, know that there's places with no churches uh, that we have no relationship with, that we still uh, work through other avenues. Uh, Fred Markert's in here, who's on our team, who is our global strategist, especially for unreached people, where there's no church. If there's not a church there, it's hard to have church-to-church missions. And so pioneering in those areas as well is, is equally important. And it's, it's kind of like our goal would be, and this should be your goal, I believe, as well, every church's goal, if you have 1% of your church in the world, we're going to start making a huge impact. At Highlands, if we take 1% of last Sunday's attendance, that means we should have 440 people out there, and we don't, but we need to. Like, that's what, that, that, so we're not going to get to 440 people if we don't have a strategy, if we don't have partnerships uh, through local churches to be able to, to start the teams that then gets the hook in the mouth and gets the, the awareness, uh, because it's, it's a buzz now through Highlands College just because I took 17 of them. And, and, and it, it was, the buzz started while we were there on our first day because of social media. The buzz didn't start after we got back. And now we will know who the ones that are most interested in permanently or semi-permanently making the move. So five students will be going, right? Uh, we have five Highlands College students that will go this summer uh, for a, a committed six months or a year, a year commitment, and 17 that are considering it. Um, uh, for January when they graduate in December. So uh, that's, that's, that's the, the direction we're going. And uh, same thing's happening in Peru. But I, I, I want to make sure from the Highland standpoint, we've got a couple relationships, but you, you have them too. So lean into those and, 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 and get with those churches that you're aware of around the world. Uh, but then also don't, you know, don't, don't forget that we have a, a multifaceted mission strategy that, that we're going to keep working uh, on the areas that don't even have the church too. So uh, a, a little full scope there. Um, 
everything that they said was just so played out exactly to the T uh, in in Japan. Um, they the students. Uh, I took Kylan's College and my daughter. So my daughter uh, Devin was the youngest. She's 16. Our oldest student I think was 22. Uh, they walked the streets, had conversations, used the Meetup app, showed the video on their phone. This is what church is, and they're like, "Oh, it looks like a party," and they came, like they just came, just random Japanese young people would just come to church because they were invited. Like, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It, it, it was mind-blowing to see how open they were to just hearing about Jesus and coming to church. It, it, it was that simple. And it's because, as Robert said, those, those young people, they're in Starbucks on their iPhone listening to American music on Instagram. They, they are no different. And it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. I was in Hyderabad, India, two weeks after I was in Japan, crazy i know but i was an hour and a half out of a hour and a half drive out of a city in a village with no running water where joyce meyer ministries hand of hope and highlands we partnered we paid for a well and a church to be built and as we walked up to the church three teenage girls in their full indian garb so they didn't they didn't look like westernized young ladies picked up their iphones and asked for selfies and they were speaking perfect english I, I mean, I was just like, there's no running water here, and you have a cell phone, and you want a selfie. Like, blew my mind. In between those trips, I, I, I've just had a, a travel season. In between those trips, I was, I was at Apple headquarters uh, south of San Francisco at their, their cool, like, visitor center. And the first Apple employee that approached us, uh, I was with John Larson, our worship pastor. Uh, he knew what had happened in Japan, and she was from China. And she was probably a quota hire. I'm, I'm serious, because she didn't speak very good English. But they wanted probably uh, some people from other countries on their team. And so she engaged us in conversation and said, what do you do? We both said, we're pastors. She's like, what is that? The conversation went exactly as the conversations in Japan were going. It was crazy. It was it was a little freaky. That we're we're speaking to a, a Chinese at the Apple Store in San Francisco, and she's asking, "What is a pastor? And what's that look like?" And I pulled out a Highland service and I showed her, and she she literally would have come to church that night if we would have had a church that we didn't we didn't even know where we were as for where a church would be. Like it was crazy that it played out exactly. Uh, as it did in Japan with this Chinese young lady. And so it has changed. Uh, the strategies are changing. Uh, Hillsong is a great example of a, of a new way that is working because of young people. And, uh, and so we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be a part of it and, and move forward. And, and it'll be different five years from now. Everything is changing faster than it ever has. Um, and we have to innovate uh, or somebody else will. And so, so it, it, everything is exponentially faster right now. Uh, with the, the increase of knowledge also comes the increase of change. And we, we've got to be way more nimble, way more flexible, uh, and, and, and way more willing to try things that, that what we thought wouldn't work will, will then work. And some of these conversations will look different a year from now. And so, awesome. Great, mate. Do we have video of that? How long is it? Okay, this, this is the, their team in Japan. Is it? Oh, it's another team. 
So a lot of, lot of just street meeting people. Super friendly. Want to be your friends. Isn't that good? I love America. I love Americans. It's a really good feeling. It's great. Thanks. Yeah, so there we go. What do you think? Can we do it? We're at the, 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 the I think the arrowhead of a brand new move right across the world. And it's going to be based out of America. I do believe that. As an Australian, I do believe that. And uh, with, with students. And yeah, mate. Good on you. And um, arc churches, church planning, all the structures. And then the relationships. What, what's happening in Peru is a hot spot. And there's other countries like that, like the uh, Philippines and much of Africa and South America. God's doing a hot work in a bunch of countries. And the rest of the world that has, does not have foundations needs foundations now for another generation. So we're going to be really strategic and we could see the world one. Would you just pray for us, Robert, as we finish? Amen. Father, you love the world. We look at the world, we look at the news, and we say, wow, it's a mess. But you love the world. You love the whole world. You love every nation. You love every person in that country. And you've told us to lift up our eyes. God, help us to lift up our eyes. And to see what you see, to see yeah. humanity like you see it, and to see the possibilities like you see it when you sent young people into all the world. Right. Help us to understand and to see the possibilities of what could happen to a nation once just some young people find Jesus as their Savior. We thank you for this group. We thank you for all the Ark churches. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks.